0: Chapter number one. I was talking with a fellow. Uh, it's been probably a couple weeks ago, I guess, and uh, he's a Christian fellow. I've asked him about his salvation two or three times, and uh, he professes to be saved, and I, I do believe that he is. I think there's uh, there's certainly his fruit that is is evident as well. And um, but he asked me a question that I've had a lot of people ask um, over the years, and uh, we're going to try to. Um uh, lend some Bible to it tonight and see if we can't see some things that the Bible deals with. And the, the question he asked me was, uh, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the will of God? And our lesson tonight is not on knowing the will of God, but the lesson is uh, probably a little bit broader in, the, in that sense, and that is how does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? Do we still hear audible voices of God today? Uh, does he still speak audibly? Uh, you might be shocked with the answer, <laughs> but uh, we want to look into this and see what the Bible says. And I, I will say this: uh, there has been a lot of. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we. Uh, hopefully, we'll understand this thing. I'm going to try to be as careful with it as I can be. There are sometimes that we. Uh, associate with other ministries that are like-minded. Uh, we, we maybe will listen to some of the preaching from their pastors and teachers. Sometimes we go to conferences that they would attend and go to. And sometimes we hear teaching that other people are teaching and, and preaching, and we hear sometimes some of the Scripture that they will pull out to support their message and if we're not careful, we will take at face value what they say to be the way that they say it, and rather than searching the Scriptures and finding out what does the Bible say about it. Um, can I tell you this? Uh, there have been a, a lot of times that I have had to swallow my pride and say, boy, I, I have for, for far too long misunderstood uh, something that I had been taught. And, I mean, I had held to for years, and yet when I came to Scripture... It taught something different than that. And can I tell you this? I don't care what name we call ourselves by, or, or what groups we associate by. If we deviate from Scripture, then we've got a problem. And I love identifying and fellowshipping with folks. And I don't think there I think there are some things we can differ on and still fellowship, um, provided they are not of doctrinal issues. Uh, but there are some things uh, that I think if we're not careful creep into. Are solid, doctrinally sound, Bible-believing churches, and we find them creeping in without us even realizing it. I, I I grew up in the South in Florida. I say South, Florida. Some people don't consider that South because there's so many transplants down there. But the area from Florida I'm, I'm at, they still had the the, the southern twang and uh, and the, the the old the old shout and hoot and holler and camp meetings. You know what I'm talking about. Some of those old kind of things like that. And uh, there were times that those preachers would not let the Bible get in the way of a good message. Uh, not that their message was wrong or that it was bad, but they didn't have the right class kind of Scripture for it sometimes. And uh always was a, a blessing to your heart, but sometimes they weren't real scriptural on the issue. And there was a good friend of mine down there, and uh, he, uh, when he would make a decision... He would always wonder, boy, how do I know? How do I know? Boy, I, I just can't make that decision until I know, and I, I need to know, and I think God might be doing this. I think God might be doing that in my heart. And so I've got to find a verse. I've got to find a verse, okay? So um, uh, I, I, I just, just for an illustration purpose, I, this is not one of the ones that he did, but uh, I thought tonight as I was getting ready for the message to try to illustrate the type of thing that sometimes people will do, um, you know i am uh I'm two hundred and pounds and uh trying to lose some weight and um been working on that and I, I thought you know i i have i've been i have prayed I've asked the lord to to help me with some things and to help lose some weight and get it get in better shape physically and uh, and so I think the lord is is assisting with that he certainly has uh, encouraged me in some things there. But um, I, I thought, you know, uh, a lot of these people, will every, everything they do in life, they have to have a verse for it. Well, I've got to find a verse. I've got to find a verse. i got to find a verse. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll find a way to illustrate. You know, So if I was praying about this diet that I'm on and I need a verse for it, and I came across while I was studying this afternoon and doing some, putting some last-minute notes down, I came across 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 2. And God gave me a verse for dieting. And uh, the verse says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So I have found that I'm on to be a milk-only diet and no meat. And God has given me that, and that's what I'm... And I use that, and I'm not, I am not. I really am not trying to just make a joke for the service, but I'm saying this to say, there are a lot of people that will do this. And they will, they will pray about something, and they'll wonder what God's doing, and... They're waiting for God to speak to them, and boy, I'm going to find a verse. I'm going to put my, I'm going to close my eyes and open and hit, and it was, it's going to tell me what to do. Uh, there, <laughs> some of y'all have heard this before, but I was in college. A guy said, I uh, was telling a story about that, and he said, Yeah. I said one guy did that and wanted to know what he was supposed to do, and he opened the Bible and put his finger down, and looked down at it, and said, um, Judas went and hanged himself. He said, Boy, that's not a good one. So he decided he's going to try it again. He uh, did it again, and he put his finger on the verse, and the verse said, uh, Go thou and do likewise. <laughs> he said, Boy, that definitely ain't good. So he said, I'm going to do it a third time. He opens it up puts his finger on it and says, What thou doest, do quickly. And he said, <laughs> He quit doing that. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, even in our good churches, oftentimes we uh, probably get into some error with regarding how God speaks to us. And I want to try to deal with some of that tonight. If you will, look with me in 2 Peter chapter number 1. And look down verse number 12. Peter says this, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though we know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, again, there's that M-E-E-T, meaning suitable or or, uh, beneficial, if you will. That's an old English word if you don't know what that means. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, meaning his body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Notice he's saying, I want to remind you often enough that this is this is something you won't forget. He says this, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And this phrase he uses here, I believe he's referring back to uh, the fact that they were he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the 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 Christ in his glorified state uh, that he saw him in his majesty in verse number 17. For he received of God the the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And if you can, if you remember the story of the Mount of Transfiguration, that uh, that the heavens opened and, and God spoke down from heaven and said, "This is my Son in whom I am well pleased." And so Peter is speaking of this, and he says in uh, in verse number eighteen, "In this voice which came from heaven, we heard." Then we were with Him, or when we were with Him, in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now, what is this more sure word of, test, uh, of prophecy? Well, you know, some people say, boy, an eyewitness account? that That's pretty sure, isn't it? But he says there's something even more sure Then my personal eyewitness account. And that is the Word of God. He says this in verse number 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved. You see that word? By the Holy Ghost. I'm going to just say at the onset, you need to wait till the end of the service to say that Brother Greg's a heretic on this. <laughs> because it will come together, okay? I am not saying that the Holy Spirit does not have a part in guiding and directing our steps each day. But what I am saying is when we get to the place where we begin to think that um, God might be doing this, he, I, I think He's kind of leading me this way, we start having those thoughts there's some problems with that. Uh, and I want us to look at those very quickly. First of all, I want to mention this. Uh, I, I was talking to a, a person here, been about a year and a half, two years ago, and I had preached a message on uh, the fact that uh, sometimes we're babes in Christ and we've not matured, and the Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews. He says there's some of us that have need to go back and be taught the first oracles of God. Do you remember that passage? And uh, but it says that uh, that by uh, getting on the meat of the word, the Bible says who by reason of exercise have their senses uh, have that by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The idea that as we grow, we mature, we study Scripture, it exercises our ability to discern right from wrong. The more we understand and study Scripture, the more we understand the difference between right and wrong. And I dealt with the issue of of this discernment and. Uh, so I got into a discussion with this person uh, about a week later, and they said, "Well, I have the gift of discernment." And I was like, I, "I never quite heard it as the gift of discernment, but okay." And I thought, "Well, that's good. You know, I'm glad that you're growing and and learning to discern between right and wrong." But what they meant by that was uh, that they got in in this intuition. They got these. Uh, they they would say, "Well, I." I can sense things. I can tell when things are going to happen. or And God gives me these special abilities to do these things. And it really lent itself to a very uh, new age uh, psychic phenomenon type thing. And and this was a person that's a Christian um, that loves the Lord. And I, and I thought as I was talking with him, I thought they're not talking about the same discernment that I was talking about. So I wanted to find a couple things here real quick. First of all, Uh, When we're talking about what Peter's referring to here, he says this in verse number uh, 19. He says, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, uh, we hold in our Bibles what we consider to be the entire revelation that God has for us. We call it the Bible. And uh, when the Bible speaks of this in verse number uh, 21, he says, "Uh, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, that we believe the revelation of God came through a, a process we call inspiration, meaning that God, I mean purposely, word by word, gave these writers uh, the things that they were to pen and they were to write down and that there was a revelation that was to be given. The Bible speaks in at least two or three different places very clearly that God is done. Uh, look with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter. Hold your place here for a minute. We'll be back. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 1, we we covered this a few weeks ago when we were dealing with the Word of Faith movement. In Hebrews chapter number 1, the Bible says, "...God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds." And so we find that uh, by the time uh, the Lord Jesus Christ passes off the scene... All of the apostles that were eyewitnesses of him in his bodily form and heard verbally from from Christ, those were inspired words of God. They penned them down. They wrote them down. And we have them in our Bibles. Even the Apostle Paul was one of the beneficiaries of this. And um, we get over to chapter number 2, and uh, we find out um, that there's an importance placed on the things that God spoke to the apostles. Uh, he speaks about the fact that if the word that was spoken by the angels in the Old Testament time, those prophets and those people back there, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. And so again, these men penned Scripture, having firsthand heard from God and through the Holy Spirit, they penned these words under inspiration. If we're not careful, we will consider the fact that there is continuing... Revelation. Now, there is a difference between Revelation and what we call illumination. All right? And then we need to differentiate between those two. Revelation is when God gives us some new thing that has not previously been taught. And that's what God did when he, wrote, when he gave this to inspired the authors of our Bible. He gave them some new thing and uh, made sure that it was something that um, was going to be taught. Illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians to take what has already been revealed through Scripture and to help us to understand it and to apply it to our lives. And if we're not careful, we will, we will get on the very threshold by our words and what we think and how we say things about hearing from God. We, we kind of tiptoe on that border of revelation. Revelation. God is telling me, okay, I, I'd be real careful saying, okay, God told me that I needed to go to the store at 1203 today. Okay, that, that's revelation. That's not illumination. I don't find that in Scripture somewhere. But yet I find people to do that. Now, does the Holy Spirit guide and direct our steps? Absolutely. Does He cause us to go at 1203 to miss that accident or catch that red light? Sure He does. There's things like that that happen. But is that God speaking to us and dictating us that we should do that? No, He's not. And so we're going to look at some things here on this. One thing that we found in Scripture is whenever God spoke, (laughs) there was never a wondering about what He said. You ever notice that? Uh, Some people say, well, I I think God is is telling me I need to do this. Well, if God's telling you to do it and you have to say, I think, then He's not telling you to do it. Because the problem is, in, in the Bible, every time God told anybody anything, He was pretty clear about it, wasn't He? We can find that all throughout Scripture. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 15. Let's look at a few of these accounts. Genesis chapter number 15. And uh, we get to verse number 1. Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold... Uh, and Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And he goes on to, to talk with God about this. Uh, and, uh, but I want you to notice that when he comes to Abram, he doesn't... Abram's not sitting there scratching his head saying, Was that God talking to me? He, he's not sitting there saying, Well, did he really... Am I supposed to be having a son or am I not supposed to be having a son? I don't know. God came to him. And he says, "I am the Lord God." Look at First uh, First Kings, First Kings chapter number twenty-one, and, I, and I'm just going to use a few passages. We're not going to the, the Bible's full of them, and uh, we'll find them Old Testament, New Testament doesn't matter. Whenever God has spoken of some things, He's very very clear on them. All right, First Kings chapter number twenty-one, and verse number seventeen. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, thus, uh, saying, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> that's pretty clear. you know. And he says, he says, not only do I want you to go down to this place, and you're going to find him at this place, and that's where he's going to be, but I also want you to tell him these things. And I want you to tell him, I said so. God was pretty clear on it. He didn't, Elijah wasn't sitting there one afternoon praying and meditating and felt like, well, maybe God's having me go, I might need to be going to see AA. I got peace about that. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. God told him how to do it. And he did it. Okay, so let's look in Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah chapter number 1. We get uh, get to verse number fourteen again. Um, then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break upon forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. They shall come. They shall set every one on his throne, uh, on his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and worshipped the works. Of their own hands. And so he gives Jeremiah instruction here. He's, uh, he's very, very clear about what he wants him to do. We go on and on. Haggai chapter number one. Uh, the word of the Lord comes to Zerubbabel. It says, Thus saith the Lord, uh, consider your ways. He tells him that two different times in Haggai chapter one. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13 and verse number two. In Acts chapter 13 and verse number two. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. And so again, any time God spoke uh, audibly, or uh, there was very, very clear direction here. Very clear direction. None of this uh, ambiguous thought of, I kind of, I don't know, maybe, kind of. uh, You don't find that. Uh, whenever God's dealing with some things, some people talk about uh, having dreams and experiences. Now, can God use dreams and experiences today? Sure, He can. Does He? Not very often. Not the way that we would consider them in the Scriptures. Not the way that the Old Testament deals with. And in, I would say this: if they're ever used at all in the days in today's world, it's in in such rare and unusual circumstances that it's used to accomplish usually the salvation of a soul being brought to Him. uh, And no other way. But uh, think about this. God comes to Moses in the Old Testament and He tells him, I want you to build a tabernacle. Have you ever taken time to look at that? Uh, Look with me, if you will, in Exodus chapter 26. Exodus chapter 26. And we're not going to read all of it, but I just want to show you, again, just how specific God is when he's, when he's speaking. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet. With cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. The length of one curtain shall be eight and twenty cubits. The breadth of one curtain, four cubits. And every one of the curtains shall have one measure. This wasn't Moses going into Home Depot and wondering what curtains he was supposed to get. God was pretty specific on it. And people were not questioning whether that was God telling them that or not. What about Noah? God comes to Noah and tells him he's going to have a flood. He's going to want him to build a boat, an ark. And he gives Noah the exact dimensions, doesn't he? He tells him what to make it with, how to pitch it inside and out. And... Think about the time that was spent. Noah spent, you know, decades and decades building this this uh, ark. And yet you don't find in Scripture ever Noah getting about ten years into it saying, well, I wonder if I misunderstood God. I wonder if I... He knew that he had heard from God. And God was very, very specific on it. He was convinced in his heart uh, of these things. Abraham and Isaac. Again, God telling Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac. And again, Abraham hears at one time from God, and he obeys, and he does it. And he doesn't get up to the mountain and say, I wonder if I misheard him. I wonder if maybe that was just something. So there's a very specificness. When God is speaking, there's very specific. By the way, we have that right here, don't we? It's very specific. It deals with some things. It deals with uh, uh, things that we oftentimes don't consider sometimes. Um, I think of the psalmist. The psalmist loved the written Word of God. Uh, I think of uh, the Bereans in Scripture who, when uh, Paul was teaching them, the Bible says that they searched the Scriptures. They didn't go into their prayer closets and ask God to confirm it in their hearts. They they went and sought the Scriptures to see if these things were so. Um, So I want us to look at a couple things here. How do we know then what the will of God is. Let's turn to Colossians chapter number three. How do we know when when God is, is saying something or, or dealing with our hearts, does he say anything? Um, I, heard, <laughs> I heard one preacher say this about it one time. Uh, he said, If you want to if you want to hear God, read the Bible. He said if you want to hear him audibly, read it out loud. And he was just that that uh, emphatic about the fact that's where we hear from God. Um, so how do we, uh, you know, if, if, if all of this, and, and let, me, let, me let me express this to you. Um, there have been a lot of uh, churches, a lot of movements, especially in the day that we're living. A lot of the New Age uh, type churches, a lot of these uh, hodgepodge and non-denominational, they're very not real strong on doctrinal things. A lot of those types of churches put a lot of emphasis on experiences, uh, feelings. Um, I'm not saying that God doesn't give us peace. I, I certainly know the Scripture teaches us on that. But but saying, boy, I've got this feeling, I've got this impression, I've got this uh, sensation that I need to go uh, do this one thing and and... It's something new that Scripture's not told me I need to go do, and it's something off the wall. That's not of God. Those aren't things that are happening. So how do we know God's will? Let's look in Colossians chapter number 3. And I alluded to this a little bit on Sunday uh, as we were dealing with uh, one of the topics on Sunday. But in in, uh, Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 16, I think is a very, very crucial Scripture uh, dealing with how the Holy Spirit illuminates in our life. All right, not re- not gives revelation, but illuminates in our life. How do we understand Scripture? How do we know what to do? How do we know how to apply the Scripture and what God has told us into our everyday life? So let's take a look at this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number uh, three, verse sixteen: "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom." Now I'm going to stop there for a moment because the parallel passage to this is found in the book of Ephesians. I mentioned it Sunday, but let's turn over there real quick. Ephesians and verse number, oh, I've got the other Bible out today. I had it marked. Uh, Here we go. Um, Verse number 17. All right. Uh, Sorry, chapter 5, verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now you say, why is that the parallel passage to this? Well, because of what follows it. The results of being filled with the Spirit in verse number 19 and following are speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, seeking and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, number one. Number two... Verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's number two. Number three, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then he goes down to break it uh, into smaller areas, wives submitting to their husbands, husbands submitting to Christ, children submitting to their parents, servants submitting to their masters. And he goes through that whole list here. Over in chapter number three of Colossians, in six, verse number 16, let's look at that again. Instead of using the phrase... Be filled with the Spirit. Paul right here uses the phrase, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Well, what are the results of that? Speaking and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, make melody your hearts to the Lord. Number one. Number two, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Number three, Wives submitting yourselves to your husbands, husbands submitting themselves to God, children to their parents, servants to their masters. The exact same thing. Being filled with the Spirit and letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom are the, are the same, uh, opposite sides of the same coin. They cannot be divorced. They have to be together. If we're to let the Holy Spirit illuminate our lives... The way that we do that is by letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom. By the way, if we want the Holy Spirit to illuminate our lives, we have to dwell in the, dwell, let the Word of Christ dwell richly in us with all wisdom. It's very, very important that we understand this thing. So, so how do we then know, uh, you know when we're making a decision or we're going through life and wanting to do some things, how do we know what decision we're supposed to make? Well, we need to read and study and obey Scripture. Letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom means we better read it, we better study it, and we better obey it. And those things are critical in order to be filled with the Spirit, and then the Spirit is able to more and more illuminate in our lives the truth of it so that we do the things we're supposed to do in life. It will guide our steps. The Bible says that the Word of God is a, what, lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So how do we know? What decision am I supposed to make? I, boy, I don't know. I, should, I, should I wear the blue dress or the brown? Well, men, should I use the, the AR-15 or should I use the scorpion? You know, uh, whatever the, the issues are. Can I tell you this? I don't know that that's one of those things that we say, okay, God, you need to speak to me, and we pray about it and then we're quiet and wait to hear him. Because that's not the way God works. Uh, In this day, he's given us his word to speak to our hearts. And he uses the Holy Spirit then to help us have the understanding of it and to make application of it in life. So we read it, we study it, and we obey. Number two, we pray for wisdom. We pray for wisdom. James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. We ask for wisdom from God. Number three, we seek godly counsel. The Bible speaks of that. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors we find in Proverbs. So we seek godly counsel. Now, does that mean you have to do what the counsel says? No, no doesn't say you have to obey Godly counsel. It says you have to seek Godly counsel. All right? There is wisdom in the multitude of counselors. But there's a reason why God tells us that. And that is many times they uh, help to guide us and direct us in areas that we're not sure of uh, in doing that. And then the last one I would say is found in Proverbs chapter number 3 and verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he might direct your paths. Shall. He shall direct your paths. You say, Brother Greg, how does he direct your paths? I have no way of knowing that. But he will. That's part of what God does. He directs our paths. So we read, study, obey, we pray for wisdom, we seek godly counsel, and then we trust the Lord. You say, Brother Greg, that seems overly simplistic. Well, let's look at Colossians chapter 3 again. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye, what's the next word here? Do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We, We trust Him to direct our paths, we trust Him to guide us. We've already prayed for wisdom. We've already studied scripture. We've already sought godly counsel. We then go out and do the work. And God directs the path. And he opens up opportunities, doesn't he, for us? Oftentimes. That we would have never expected. Let's look at a couple things here and then we'll be done. Look with me in Titus chapter number 3. Titus chapter number 3. And I think this is one of those things that is really such a simple thing, but we tend to overthink it. We tend to... Uh, you ever met somebody that's, that has a really hard time making a decision? Well, I just God hasn't given me a verse of Scripture, or, or I just don't know, I, what should I do? Read your Bible, study it, obey it, seek godly counsel, pray for wisdom, trust God, and then make the decision. That's what you do. And God will direct the paths. Look with me in Titus chapter number 3. This is interesting to me. Titus chapter number 3, verse number 12, Paul says this, <clears throat> when I shall send Artemis, uh, yeah when I shall send Artemis under the Artchicus be diligent to come unto me uh, to necropolis for I have what determined there to winter where did Paul pray about that Did't did he he just determined hey this is where I'm going to winter by the way if you if you take time to and we don't have time tonight to go into all of that, But if you'll take time to follow what that decision did, it allowed him to go into Macedonia and establish the church at Philippi. And Lydia gets saved there. And the church at Philippi becomes one of the great churches of the New Testament. You say, well, did Paul make a mistake there? I don't think so. Paul was already walking with God, wasn't he? He was already praying. He certainly knew Scripture. He certainly was praying for wisdom. I'm certain he sought godly counsel. He was around the apostles so much, they were tired of him. They sent him home. He was so zealous to learn from them. But, you know, most importantly, Paul just trusted God. And then he made the decision. Now, I'm not telling us not to pray. I'm certainly not saying that in, in the slightest. But I'm saying after we've prayed, after we've read Scripture, after we've studied it, after we've sought godly counsel, we've asked for wisdom, then make the decision and trust God to have guided our path. It's what the Bible teaches. None of this super spooky, hocus-pocus, uh, psychic ability to try to determine, well, I think maybe God is doing this. The Holy Spirit will guide us. He will. We need to trust that. When we go to speak to somebody in, in, in uh, uh, sharing the gospel with them, we don't sit there the whole time thinking, well, I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. We just speak and we, we trust that the Holy Spirit will give us utterance. And will help us to, to share the things that are needed for this person. Look with me, if you will, in uh, Exodus chapter 14. This is one of my favorite. I, I, I get tickled at this every time I read it. Uh, Exodus chapter number 14. You ever find humor in Scripture? Uh, some things that are, that are comical almost. And, and uh, I, I find this a, a little bit humorous in, in, in the fact that you know Moses, we look at Moses as some great man of God, man of faith. And yes, I know he, he stammered, he stuttered, and he didn't think he was all that much. But, you know, we think of Moses as the great leader. I mean, he, he stood before Pharaoh, and I mean, he did all these things with God's power. And uh, I love this. We get to Exodus chapter number 14, if you will. Look with me in verse number 15. Uh, back up verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, notice this. <laughs> he says, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, let me give you the backstory. Pharaoh has finally let the children of Israel go. They've made it as far as the Red Sea, and their backs are against the Red Sea. There's no way of escape, and the Egyptian army's hot on their heels. They're coming to destroy them. They're going to wipe out the nation of Israel. The people come to Moses. They're nervous. They're saying, Moses, what are we going to do? Moses, the great leader, (laughs) he gets up and he says, Fear not, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Now Moses knew that because God had already told him he was going to do that. But then I want you to notice what happens here. He said in verse number fourteen, he says, "The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace." Now look in verse number fifteen. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Moses, "Wherefore criest thou unto me?" Now we don't know what happens between fourteen and fifteen, but apparently. Sometime between the time that Moses stood before the people, and sometime between verse number fifteen, Moses must have gone into his prayer closet and said, God now, I told him what you want me to tell him, but are you sure about this? What am I supposed to do here? And look at God's answer. Look what it says. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. I preached a message on this years ago, and the title of it was A Time Not to Pray. You say, Brother Greg, aren't we supposed to pray without ceasing? Absolutely. But Moses had already talked with God, hadn't he? God had already confirmed the direction they were supposed to go. God had already told him what was going to happen. And he was telling Moses, listen, there's no no need to keep praying about it. You already know my will. Go forward. Do what I've told you to do. I think one of the biggest problems we face sometimes is we have become so uh, conditioned, maybe, To hear some supernatural, or get some sort of supernatural impression of of God speaking to us. Some people even take it to the point of saying audibly. Uh, Most Baptists don't believe we can hear audibly from God's Word. But a lot of us think, well, we'll hear it in our spirit. No, we'll hear it in the Word of God. Then we'll let the Holy Spirit work it out in our lives. And we need to understand this. It's something that is a very crucial issue in the day that we live because there's a lot of churches that are, are teaching their people, they're encouraging their people to have these types of thoughts, and here's the problem with it. If God begins to speak to people and they say, God told me this, it's the same thing that He did with the writers of Scripture, didn't He? In Second Peter chapter number 1, it says, Holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Spirit. That's inspiration. Can I tell you this? You and I are not being inspired with new revelation. I'm thankful that God gives us the Holy Spirit to illuminate His already revealed Word in our lives. And we need to hold to that. Now, am I saying that we don't ever get peace about something? No. Because when we are doing those things that we mentioned, we're reading, studying, praying, asking for wisdom, seeking godly counsel, and then we make the decision, there's going to be great peace in that because we have followed God's process of going through that. The Holy Spirit is enabling us to go forward. Uh, you look at the apostles in numerous times in the, in the New Testament. Did they have times of prayer? Absolutely. Did they have times of studying Scripture? Absolutely. That's what the deacons were for, so they could give themselves to the Word and to the doctrine. But when they went and did things in their everyday life, they just did them and trusted God to direct their paths. And uh, I think that will be helpful to some of us to to maybe understand these things. If we have to wonder if God said something to us, then he didn't, (laughs) okay? Because when he does, we're not going to wonder about it. He's going to make it clear. And he really does. He makes, he makes his plan so easy to follow. Uh, I was talking to a fellow just just a week or so ago. And he said, uh, he said how do I know what God wants me to do? And I said, you need to study Scripture. And God will direct those steps. You pray. And God will bring the opportunity along. He'll bring the desire along. And he'll give you the ability to do it. And he'll direct those paths in ways that you would have never dreamed. But uh, we need to understand his word. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. All right? So I we'll hope that will be helpful. to you. Let's stand together and we this Mister prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. And, uh, Father, that we will understand and uh, we won't get involved with a lot of the new age and occultish type things of uh, these impressions and, and, and just supernatural uh, directives that are given to, to teach them some new thing. But Father, may we rest in the things of Scripture, the things that You have taught us. May we rest in the fact that You have promised us that if we will uh, ask You And in all of our ways acknowledge You. We pray. We seek Your Word. That You will direct our paths. And Lord, may we trust that. And then go out here and do work for You. Dismiss us now with Your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.